0: It's time once again for the Go Giver podcast, where we explore five timeless principles that will increase the profitability of your business and the joy in your life. Now, here's your host, the co author of The Go Giver, Bob Berg.
1: Hello again, I'm Bob Berg, and we have what I hope you'll find to be an interesting and value packed show today. People skills are so often the differentiator between the talented person who is reasonably successful and the person who attains huge levels of success, creating buy-in and commitment from the world around them. Fortunately, these skills can be learned, though they must ultimately come from the heart. We'll discuss that in our Thought of the Day. And later, in today's interview, we'll be joined by star entrepreneur and best-selling author Dave Kirpin, whose newest book just happens to be titled, The Art of People. I thank you for joining us. It's been said that success in business, success in life is based about 15% on technical skills and 85% on people skills. Dale Carnegie himself said that very thing in his classic How to Win Friends and Influence People. This does not, by any means, imply that technical skills or talent is not important. It absolutely is. A person must be competent skill-wise or all the people skills in the world will only get them so far. But, as important as talent is, it alone will only get a person so far. Often, those of great talent and few people skills are working for those of adequate talent with excellent people skills. Should it be that way? I don't know. Perhaps yes, perhaps no. Life is funny like that. It does seem to be a principle, however, that has withstood the test of time. And, as with any principle or universal law, we can embrace it Or we can deny it. What we cannot do is alter it. My suggestion is to study people's skills and make it a strength. Yes, the ability to build, cultivate, and sustain relationships with others is so very important to one's success. The ability to not just get along with others, but to be someone others really like, that they trust, that they're drawn to, whose ideas they buy into both figuratively and at times literally, that's the person who will go the furthest. As brilliant as Benjamin Franklin was, early on he understood that his way of dealing with others, with sharpness and sarcasm, using his excellent reasoning skills to prove himself right by making others wrong, was becoming much more of a hindrance to him in his career path and pursuit of happiness than it was a help. As a man of great ambitions, he fortunately understood that if he was going to succeed, he was going to have to do it by eliciting people to buy into his ideas. And for them to buy into his ideas, they were first going to have to buy into him. So he began to focus on improving his people skills. In his brilliant book, The Autobiography, he devoted some space to regarding how he did that. Walter Isaacson also discussed that in his in-depth biography of the great man entitled Benjamin Franklin. Personally, as one who studies success and has done so for a large part of my adult life, I've come to the conclusion that you can have practically every positive success attribute working for you. You can be talented and of high character. You can be ambitious, kind, charitable, hardworking, thrifty, and energetic. You can have a knack for numbers, a head for business, you can be even-tempered, creative, and much more, and all that's terrific. However, if you don't have a finely-honed ability to work and play well with others, to relate to them in a way that can positively influence their thoughts and actions, it's simply a lot more difficult to attain the high level of success to which you otherwise could. And this includes professionally, personally, financially, and other areas of importance. On the other hand, when you can conduct yourself in a way that makes others feel genuinely good about themselves and about you, now you're in a position to make a hugely positive difference in the lives of everyone involved. And when you can do this consistently, your life becomes a lot more fun, a lot less stressful, and a lot more profitable. Yes, there are certainly those who have attained great financial success despite their lack of people skills. And it is in spite of it, not because of it. And with many of them, their personal lives in terms of relationships were, and are, a mess. Still, because of some other powerful qualities, they have achieved, at least financially, some huge success. Even though such examples are actually few and far between, they do happen. Most of us, on the other hand, need to develop these skills. Not to mention, this makes us a lot more pleasant to be around. Not only will other people like you more, you'll like yourself a whole lot more. How much more effective do you feel you would be with people, from loved ones to business associates and customers, if you were able to dramatically increase your skills in this regard? Of course, you may already be highly advanced in the area of people skills. If so, it's most likely because you're always looking for ways to improve even further. That's another universal law that has withstood the test of time. Yes, people skills can be learned, and I believe they should be. Of course, when it comes right down to it, the single greatest people skill is a highly developed and authentic interest in the other person. (laughs) Hey, if you enjoyed John David Mann's and my business parable, The Go-Giver, I'd like to let you know about our newest book, The Go-Giver Leader, also a parable and set in the same fictional town as The Go-Giver, with some inside references that readers of the original book will enjoy bumping into. This new story follows what happens when an unexpectedly wise mentor named Aunt Elle takes the ambitious young Ben under her wing and shifts his focus in a way he didn't see coming. The question is not whether we're called to lead. We all are. The question is whether or not we answer that call, and if so, how? Because there are two kinds of leadership. You can take leadership, or you can give leadership. It's a choice, and an important one at that. The book is available now, so go to thegogiver.com and scroll down to the book cover. Simon Sinek, author of the bestsellers Start With Why and Leaders Eat Last, wrote, We should all seek to practice the message illustrated so elegantly in The Go-Giver Leader. Great leaders don't try to act like leaders, they strive to be more human. Other endorsers included the publisher of Success Magazine, the former president of Southwest Airlines, and many others. You'll find them at the book page when you visit www.thegogiver.com and scroll down just a bit. We hope you enjoy it and find it to be of value. Dave Kirpin has certainly had a storied career, from top-selling salesperson for the Disney Radio Network to reality TV star, actually coming in second on the Fox reality show Paradise Hotel. From multi-New York Times best-selling author to very successful entrepreneur, best known as founder and CEO of Likeable Local, a social media software company, uh, as well as chair and co-founder of Likeable Media, an award-winning content marketing firm for Brands. Truly a man with a knack for creating media attention, he certainly did this with his 2006 sponsored wedding after a minor league baseball game in Brooklyn where he was fortunate enough to get to marry his lovely wife and business partner, Carrie, with whom he has three gorgeous children. Dave holds the distinction of being the most read LinkedIn influencer of all time. He's one of the most read contributors for Inc.com and has been featured by CNBC, the BBC, ABC World News Tonight, CBS's The Early Show, The New York Times, and more. He also keynotes conferences throughout the world. His newest book, The Art of People, 11 Simple People Skills That Will Get You Everything You Want, was recently released and has been very popular right out of the gate. Learn more at www.artofpeoplebook.com. And of course, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Dave, welcome.
0: Thanks so much for having me, Bob. It's a real thrill.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Uh, One of the fantastic themes in your book is how often the, the good person, the nice person, the one who truly looks out for others and does the right thing is the one who is liked, who is trusted, and tends to be very successful. In chapter 14, titled Bluffing is Only for Poker, you told a story of a client who, in order to drive down your fee for a marketing project, he bluffed and when you discovered his bluff and when i say bluff i mean lie you you lost trust in him as a partner client first why is this so um important you know that you've got to be able to to take things at face value and how does another question how does someone mastering to quote your book title the art of people spot when someone might be trying to do this to them
0: yeah so it's a it's a great uh, it's a great question bob and the thing is Trust, of course, is everything in business. Trust uh, you, you can't do business with people that you you can't trust. And so while there is an obvious time and place and opportunity for negotiation, when the negotiation errs on the side of dishonesty, mm-hmm. that that becomes a, a, a situation where you, you can't really um, you can't really trust the person mm-hmm. and then once once that damage is done, it, it can't really be repaired. You know I, I think there's a lot of ways to tell that somebody, isn't being totally truthful. Typically, people have some anxiety around being dishonest and that anxiety can come through via some facial gestures, touching your your face, sweating, uh, just generally looking a little bit more uh, uncomfortable, speeding up your speech a little bit. These are all cues and ultimately it's your job to be thoughtful and really pay attention, right? Mm -hmm. I, I write a lot in the book about the the importance of really paying attention to what people around you are saying and Mm -hmm. how they're saying it and 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 how they're uh expressing themselves and if you're paying close enough attention all the time it becomes easier to spot a bluffer or in your sort of harder fairer words
1: a liar. <laughs> now you say in the book that passion and you you speak a lot about passion that it's it's still nothing without persistence. And I I loved the story and I think it was chapter 22 on how you landed the uh the Boston Burger King account for Disney Radio. But it you know Dave it wasn't just persistence. It was as as uh, our colleague Scott McCain would call it distinction. Uh you were distinctive and you were distinctive in a good way. Now share that with us. And I, and I'm going to, I'll, I'll put you on the spot because we're friends. You can even sing for us as as you did for your prospective client, Brenda uh, Fuentes.
0: Well, you know, Bob, it's not often that I get an invitation to sing on a podcast because because those, those that have heard me before might, might never want that to happen again, but I I will, I will go ahead and take you up on the offer. You know, I was a young salesman uh, for, for radio Disney. I was assigned the Burger King account which we had never worked with before. And so basically I was given a name and a number, and this was really pre the internet. So the only way I could reach out was via phone. And uh, I called up Brenda Fuentes, the, the woman that I was responsible to, uh, to try to get a hold of and sell. And of course she didn't pick up the phone. And we, and we all know when you're a salesperson trying to reach someone, they, they may very well not pick up the phone. But I made a decision to call her every single day. And of course I wouldn't leave a voicemail every day because that would get super annoying. I would leave a voicemail once a week and in order to stand out, to your point, kind of uh, be, be distinctive, be unique, be creative, I thought I would sing a uh, Radio Disney song, a pop <laughs> song, um, but change the lyrics a little bit. So, you know, in- instead of um, uh, Britney Spears' Oops, I Did It Again, I would say, oops, I called you again, <laughs> but you didn't pick up. No, you didn't pick up. And, you know, I-, I would do that once a week, and I would call her once a day. Now... If I had given up on, you know, after 20 calls, 25 calls, 30 mm-hmm. calls, uh, I might never have reached her. It was, the, it was literally the 37th phone call, um, and I so I probably left about seven seven or eight singing voicemails as well. Mm-hmm. 37th phone call that Brenda Fuentes picked up the phone and said, are you ever going to stop calling me and leaving those ridiculous songs uh. as voicemails? And I said... I am now, Brendan, now that you picked up. Thank <laughs> you so much. And I'm really glad that uh, you you uh, uh, thought to, to uh, pick up the phone and chat with me. And, of course, we had a conversation, and that led to an opportunity, and that led to um, opening up the Burger King account and tens of thousands of dollars for the company and a really nice commission check for me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know to me, the lesson is twofold. Kind of like you said, one is, one is the value of persistence, which we all kind of know, but it, it becomes hard to put into action. And the other is the, the value of, of, of passion and, and, and doing things in a way that really will help you stand out. And I think when you combine those two things, it can be a very powerful
1: force. Mm, indeed. Now, one chapter I found just, just absolutely fascinating. In fact, I think I tweeted about it. Uh, I got so excited about it. It was when you discussed mirror neurons. Now, I believe this concept is absolutely key for all of us to keep it at top of mind awareness. It's a huge difference maker and a key aspect to one's success in just about all areas. And, And to your credit you found out about this before a sort of a difficult meeting you were about to have with your team and you were not in a good mood and you 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 were interviewing someone on your podcast John Bates who kind of clued you in on this tell us the background and, uh, on this and 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 about mirror neurons and and, and attitude
0: yeah so I, I was in a i was in a tough mood and i had to address the whole team in our weekly team meeting and wasn't really sure how i was going to do it Um, But I had this podcast right before, and this John Bates, who is an executive coach and public speaker and um, and teaches people how to speak publicly, he got on uh, the podcast with me, and he asked me if I've ever had a, a, a bad audience. And I said, oh, yeah, sure, I've had some rough audiences in my speaking days. And he said, well, some, I have some bad news for you. It's probably your fault. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, well, before I tell you, you know, let me ask you this. Have you had a good audience? And I said, oh, sure, lots of great audiences, super audiences, really responsive, interactive, reactive. And he said, well, well, the good news is then you can take some credit for those good audiences too. And he mm-hmm. taught me about the power of mirror neurons, which, are, which is really science-based. And mm-hmm. essentially mm-hmm. at the cellular level, we all – respond to the mood of the person that's speaking to us. So if the person that's speaking to us, whether it's a public speaker in front of a crowd of thousands of people or a one-on-one sales meeting, if the person speaking to us is in a great mood, we're going to pick up that energy. We are... enthusiasm and positivity, literally, scientifically, is contagious, Bob. And, of course, the converse is true as well. If you're in a bad mood, people are going to pick up on that as well. And so I found this concept to be just incredibly powerful. And I studied and experimented with how to get yourself in a good mood. Because I think it's a little different for everyone. But ultimately, if we have to get in a good mood in order to be effective, in order to be persuasive, in order to be inspiring – well then, let's figure out how to do that because we all have days where we're not—you know—things don't go our way. We all have days where, where, where we're not in a good mood naturally. Mm-hmm. And the two things that I that I really discovered that are super, super powerful in putting ourselves in a good mood, so we can make those mirror neurons work to our advantage, are are very simple but very powerful concepts of gratitude and acts of kindness. And when we are are grateful and take time to just focus on our, our gratitude or when we are selfless and do an act of kindness for another human being, those are both things that really elevate our moods. I, I look at them as the most powerful drugs on the planet, and they're, they're amazing because there's really no ill side effects of either, of either, no. uh, of either act. And so uh, that, you know, those, for me, are, are super effective in getting me in the right mindset
1: when I need to be. Right. So the way to leave your attitude at the door is to think thoughts of gratitude and do acts that express gratitude.
0: Acts of gratitude, acts of kindness. You know, it's funny. You said leave, leave, your, leave your attitude at the door by opening up the door mm. for the next 10 people to come in the office and just watch as people respond to your kindness. I mean, it takes 60 seconds of your life to hold the door in an office building for 10 people, mm-hmm. and yet it can change everything. So yeah. why wouldn't you spend that 60 seconds doing
1: it? Mm, fantastic. Now you know you you talk throughout the book obviously about people's skills and you do such a, a fantastic job with that both in terms of business and personal life and you bring your wonderful family into it. I kind of got to feel as though I knew your family from reading the book. And you you discuss late in the book that whether you're talking about corporate leadership uh, as a sales manager, a football coach, as a parent, and you talked about the difference between criticism and encouragement. Touch on that and how does that relate? To really to to, uh, to bringing out the best in others.
0: Let me say first of all that I understand you know for managers out there for and, and leaders out there for parents out there because I'm a parent and a manager and a leader myself. I understand how hard it is to not be critical. When we see things in our uh, d- direct reports or children that uh, warrant correcting, I-, I really do get that. That being said, the-, the the problem is that criticism just doesn't work. I mean, it just it just doesn't, and uh, praise does. And so, if you can just praise people, praise people, praise people, and then when you do have something to correct, instead of criticizing, uh, just just coach them, just just. Just, just help them um, rather than be critical. That, that it makes a world of difference. And, and the problem is, once you're critical of someone, and the worst thing, of course, is to be critical publicly. You know, in the use case, I, I, I tell a story about how I was critical of one of my former top salespeople who was struggling. I was critical of him in front of the whole crowd, uh, the whole sales team, and it just, it just completely destroyed him at, at my company. And it was obviously totally my fault and totally, you know, a screw up. And but I learned from that just. To, if I ever, ever need to be critical to, to make it private. And I think, again, the same thing can be true. Even, even if you're a parent in front of your children, you know, it's tempting to say, you know, be quiet or whatever we want to say to, to, to correct our children. But, uh, it just, it just doesn't work in the and And it, and it has drastic long term implications too, of, of people resenting you and, and, and not wanting to work for you. So yeah, it's really all about praise, 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 and then um, privately uh, coaching when, mm-hmm. when we, when we see something we want to
1: correct. Well, and I thank you for sharing so much of that in the book. It was a powerful lesson for you, and you touched our lives with that very powerful lesson that helps us as as well. Dave Kirpin, his book, The Art of People, 11 Simple People Skills That Will Get You Everything You Want. Visit www.artofpeoplebook.com, and it will be in the show notes as well. Dave, you're a great guy. Congratulations and best wishes for continued success. The main lesson I learned from Dave is how much our attitude affects not only our own sense of happiness, but our ability to persuade and inspire those we deal with. Keep those mirror neurons in mind. They are vitally important. How do you do in that regard? Do you find yourself able to check your attitude at the door? And can you take Dave's great advice and begin improving upon that even further from this point on? Please feel free to write me at bobberg.com at and let me know. We might even share your email on an upcoming program. Remember, The Go Giver makes an excellent gift to those in your life in order to help them lead better, sell more, and touch the lives of more people in positive and significant ways. Visit TheGoGiver.com and check out the new expanded edition of the book. And check out John David Mann's and my brand new book, The Go Giver Leader. We're enjoying the early reviews, and we hope you enjoy the book and find it to be of value. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and provide a review on iTunes. Visit the gogiver.com reviews. I enjoy reading every review. And your review will also help others to much more easily find the show. That's all for today. The GoGiver podcast is brought to you by thegogiver.com. Visit www.thegogiver.com and get our free special report, The Go-Giver Way, Five Principles for Creating a Culture of Excellence. That's thegogiver.com. Stop on by. Thank you so much for joining me. And until next time, I'm Bob Byrd. Make it a great day.